Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I began this series three weeks ago, and uh, I believe, Pastor Josh, and the, I believe these worship songs today are right, on, are right in step. Uh, what we pray is right in step. We're dealing with the issues that everyone in, their, in, in our culture deals with. I chose this title, Mind, M-I-N-D, Mind Field. I did a play on words, if you'll remember. Uh, typically, we think of mind, M-I-N-E, mind fields. Uh, what are, where are M-I-N-E? When you think of a mind field, you think of an arena of warfare. Is that correct? It's a place where battle's been happening. It's a place where there's been conflict and, and battle. So, so uh, what, are, what are minds, M-I-N-E, the mind field, where they're, they're damaging, they're explosions, Think about them. They're hidden under the surface. I want you to think about your life. They remain after the conflict is over. You had the trauma. You had the battle. You had, you had this, this, in, in this uh, what would you say, this incident happened in your life. But it's not over because minds have been planted. Things hidden beneath the surface. Triggers that bring them back up. When you think everything's okay. And then this thing comes back up. You step on something. It's the aftermath. Someone say aftermath. Walking around in our lives, men and women look okay on the outside. But if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to deal with these areas, on the inside of us, there's pain, there's trauma, there's depression, there's dysfunction, and the right situation happens, and what happens? It triggers it, and it comes right back up in your life. You get stuck in a pattern. You get stuck in a cycle. We start to give up. We start to compromise. We start to accept it and say, this is just the way it's going to be. Well, this series is telling you that it doesn't have to be that way. Amen? That God can do something about this and God is able. So that's what we're here to do. We're studying. How does healing and freedom come through these things that, that are mind fields, that are triggers, that are hidden aftermath of trauma in our life? I want you to know, I want to say it again. There is healing and there is freedom available to us through Jesus Christ. Everybody deals with some of these things. I know we come to church and everybody looks good and great, but we have to deal with some things. Pastor uh, Josh shared with us this morning at 3 a.m. because of live streaming, somebody got saved. Is that amazing? That's really amazing. I know we gave a little patty cake, but let's thank God for that today. Also saw this week that someone said because of this mind feels series, their brother who's been watching with them online in another state that's been bound by depression for his adult life has been set free in the last three weeks and totally healed. God is able. God is able. It's amazing. I had another man uh, uh, made a reply, and I can't quote him, <laughs> but he said, it's really blankety blank. When you grow up and your parents were your greatest issue, and yet they shoved the Bible down your throat every day. And he said, the best part about being an adult is that I never have to go to church again. Those are minefields in that man's life. There's trauma in his life. And so I, I, don't, I don't reply very often because I can't reply to everybody. But the Holy Spirit said, say something to him. And it was unusual. I even saw it. And I said, I'm so sorry. That's been your experience. But I said, my prayer for you is that someday you'll see that God's love for you is greater than the failures of the people around you and that you'll understand nobody's mad at you, but we love you. And I started to say, and even if you cuss me, I'm still going to pray for you. But I didn't put that line in. I just said, 
God's going to do something in your life. Man, we live in a hurting culture, don't we? We live in an offended culture. It's the culture of offense. In fact, I think uh, every you kind of feel left out. People feel left out unless they're offended by something. You got to find your offended group. If you're not offended, something's wrong with you. Maybe if you're not offended, something's right with you. Maybe you've learned how to walk through these things. So let's look at some things today. See, we, we, we're dealing with struggles that no one else can see. That's, that's the challenge of what goes on in our thinking and our mind in these strongholds. And the Bible has a lot to say about this, a lot of hope given to us because that's an issue in our life and whatever affects you matters to God. I want to say that again. Whatever affects you matters to God. So we don't always see it on the outside. No one else can see what's going on. Maybe here today, you're trying to move forward. You're trying to keep moving. But you've had a disappointment. You've had a big loss in your life. Someone died too soon. Something was not, is not there. Maybe there's disappointment. Maybe there's abuse. Maybe depression. Think about that word depression. You know what depression? Think to depress. You're pressed down. You're carrying a load. And you get tired and you begin to uh, not trust yourself and you begin to give up hope and, and you just look at everything. See, the problem with these areas is that they become a pattern. They become a stronghold. And we view everything through that. We take everything, whether it even applies to that or not, and say, see, that reinforces what I think. That reinforces who I've become. It reinforces the fact that I am hopeless and I'll never get out of this. Let me tell you what's happening in our culture today. Because we don't, because too many people don't believe there's an answer. Because they don't believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Anybody believe that with me today? How many believe it? Come on, let's establish this. If you don't believe this, then I can't help you today. Okay? Online, if you don't believe what I'm about to say, I cannot help you. But if you believe this, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then God can do something in your life today. You're not trapped in that situation and that circumstance forever. What do we do when we don't understand why we're reacting this way? What do you do when you really want your marriage to be healthy, but these explosions keep coming? What do you do when you wonder why your relationships just aren't working out, where it seems like you make some progress and then you fall back in that same thing? It seems like you're headed in the right direction and you really want to, but something triggers you and all these emotions come and the pattern repeats and the cycle starts again and the stronghold's there. See, we've learned how to make it look good on the outside. Come on, tell the truth. In America, we know how to look good. Somebody say amen. We know how to look good. We can, we can um, you know, we can permit and color it and dress it and fix it and and, and designer it and come on everybody know what I'm talking about and, and drive it and live it and talk it and walk it and put it on and come on you know and, and, and even you know and then if, then if it's still not looking good we can sew it up tag it up bag it up you understand what I'm talking about lift it up you know just you know you, you live long enough and gravity will get you you understand what I'm saying? You know, your husband used to have a big chest. Now he's got a big belly, but love him anyway, all right? I'm not going to talk about the ladies. I don't go there. Let's talk about the men. Stuff just falls. Stuff shifts. 
you know, you made a mistake. You were young and you were a young gun. You, you, you tattooed a battleship on your pecs. And that boat sunk and now you got a destroyer on your belly right now. I mean, dear God. <laughs> you were bad up here. It's down here now. You say, what happened to that thing? It looked like a canoe when I was 20. Now it's a doggone destroyer across there. I saw a t-shirt that said, if I would have known I was going to live this long, I'd taken better care of myself. We're good at the outside. We're good at, come on, tell the truth. We're good at the outside. But what happens, we're hiding those minefields on the inside. We're not being free. And we get caught in these cycles. So we're stuck and we start asking ourselves. So we go, well, I know I need help, Pastor, but who's going to help me? And where am I going to get this help? Who's going to do anything about it? How's this going to happen? Or, or, or this question, shouldn't a Christian just be okay? Shouldn't I be okay now that I'm a Christian? Shouldn't just because I ask Christ in my life? I ask him to forgive me my sins. Jesus is my Lord. And shouldn't everything just all of a sudden be okay? Well, let me ask you, did everything instantly change on the outside as soon as you accepted Christ? Did you get abs all of a sudden? Did you grow hair all of a sudden? Huh? Did your wrinkles go away all of a sudden just because you asked Jesus in your life? No. Well, maybe some of the things on the inside did suddenly become perfect. The good news is, is Jesus is willing to get into the mess with you. Jesus is willing to get into your brokenness. Can somebody say amen about that? So you see, can Christians be dealing with minefields? Oh, yes. Can Christians be dealing with depression? Yes. Can they be dealing with anxiety? Yes. Just because you're dealing with these issues doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. And it doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. And it doesn't mean that he can't do something about it. Amen? So we're going to face these things and stop ignoring them, packing them down, dressing them up, and believe that who the sun sets free is free indeed. Come on. Now, let me tell you something. We have to learn to surrender to Jesus and let him do this thing, right? We have to realize there may be some rude issues in my life that if I'm not willing to deal with, I'm probably not going to come out of some of these patterns. In other words, if I'm bitter and angry and refuse to forgive, I'm probably not going to be set free. You understand what I'm saying? If I refuse to do what the Word says, I'm never going to receive the full measure of blessing God wants to give me. I didn't say you won't go to heaven, but you go to heaven miserable. I'd rather go to heaven happy. Anybody with me at that? I didn't say that God doesn't love you. I'm just saying because of our lack of obedience, lack of trust, unwillingness to surrender, we rob the quality of life God has purchased for us. It's just like, uh, well, let's just stick with that. If I don't forgive, if I'm not doing what the word says, there are going to be some, some complications, some issues that are going to happen because of that. God's willing to work through us. Can, can I tell you this? I, 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 think, I think I came up with this phrase. Maybe somebody else did before me. But Ephesians 2.10, after verse 8, Ephesians 2.8 says, Therefore you are saved by what? Grace. Through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. So you're saved through grace. Grace means what? Unearned favor. So God saved us by grace. You know what I believe? He's going to heal you by grace. He's going to bless you with his goodness. Can you say amen to that? But then we drop down two verses later, and verse 10 says that we are God's workmanship created huh 
These things were created in advance for us to do. Now, we don't, the work happens after salvation. We're, we're his workmanship. One translation says his masterpiece. The verbiage in the Greek text, the, the syntax of the, of the sentence in, 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 in the grammar in the Greek says that's an ongoing process. You're his masterpiece. It doesn't mean you were. It happened once. It means right now God's fashioning you. How many are thankful God's hands are on you? Do you know if you could see in the spirit, God's fingerprints are all over you today. I don't know about you. I like that. The hand of God's God's fashioning you. So listen, you're not perfect. You're still dealing with some stress, maybe some depression, rejection, anxiety, strongholds. But the good news is you're still in the hands of God and God's not through with you. You are in the masterpiece workshop. You're in the masterpiece workshop. Tell somebody next to you, you're in good hands. Go ahead, tell them that right now. You're in some really, really good hands right now. So let's look at some verses. What does God have to say about this? I want to make sure you connect with me. I wanted to make sure that you realize what you're hearing today affects you right where you live. It affects you. Let me say it this way. Don't raise your hands. Don't. D-O-N-T. T. Don't raise your hand. But if your marriage needs some help, listen, just see, I don't want you to raise your hands or point or, or you know, glare at someone right now, okay? If your marriage needs some help, you know how God's going to heal your marriage? He's going to heal you. It hadn't got, it's not the other person. How many hear what I just said? If you want God to heal your marriage, it needs to start them healing you. See, this whole thing we're studying is not avoiding the issue, it's being set free from the issue. Is dealing. So what does God have to say? So let's look at a couple of verses I read before and I'll add some new ones. Let's, let's make sure what does God say. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3, 4, and 5, King James translation. So remember, my, M-I-N-D, minefields. They're places of conflict and warfare where we have to learn to conquer with the weapons God gives us. For though we walk in the flesh, that's the carnal nature, all right? We do not war after the flesh. In other words, we don't fight our battles. We live in this world. But our battles aren't carnal, human battles. We keep forgetting that. We keep looking at personalities. We need to remember the real battle is the principality behind it. Okay, next verse, verse four. For the weapons of our warfare. So church, can I, can I help you? There's gonna be a war for your mind. Everybody with me? There's a place Satan wants to bring you down. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, human or weak. But they are what? Come on, say it out loud. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, how do we know this is in our mind? Look at verse 5. Here's the evidence. Casting down imaginations. Where are our imaginations? In our mind. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, my mind. And bring into captivity every thought, my mind, to the obedience of Christ. So there's, there's the battleground. There's the... There's the warfare. That warfare, that's where the mind field is. Imaginations, high things exalting themselves against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every single thought. Let's look at Romans 12, 1, 2, and 3. Romans 12, 1, 2, and 3. We see this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, how many are thankful for mercy? You know, mercy means you didn't get what you deserved. <laughs> how many are thankful you missed that payday? <laughs> yeah. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies, your, your being, as a living sacrifice. That means you continue to live this out, not a one time. 
and pleasing to God, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Now hold there. Do you know no matter, it's critically important you're here today. It's critically important you're online today. It's critically important you recognize the value of the gathering. You've obeyed God's word. But just doing the outer things will not bring everything God wants to do. It's my life surrendered. That's my highest form of worship. How many understand that? Do you know you can sing songs and still not be surrendered to Jesus? Do you know you can read your Bible and not be surrendered to Jesus? How many understand that? But when you give your heart, when you say you got me, that's worship. Okay, verse two. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That's what we're talking about here. Patterns, strongholds. But be transformed. How are you really changed? How does your freedom really come? How does a new life really happen? How do you really walk in the blessing of what it means to be a believer? You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. I want to say it again and again and again. Guys, if the way you think about God, about yourself, and about people hasn't changed, you haven't been transformed. I want to say it again. I don't think you agreed with me. If the way you think about God, if the way you view yourself, the way you view other people hasn't changed, you've not been transformed. You may go to church. You may have bought a Bible. You may have put your name on it. You may not want a Bible. You may have the U version on your phone, have 15 versions loaded, you know, got all your badges from reading. But if you haven't given your heart to him, if you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to do a work, see, listen, here's the good news. You cannot renew your mind. Only God can do that. Can I say that again? You cannot renew your mind. I'm not going to give you five steps to renew your mind because you can't do it. You know why? Because your mind's messed up. <laughs> but God can do this. So do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look at the word. Then what happens? You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And I'm just going to do two verses here. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many of you want to live your life in the will of God? How many single people want to marry God's will for your life? Yeah, don't raise your hand. How many single people already had one that didn't work and you don't want to repeat that? Okay, so God, I want your will. I want your will. How many have ever uh, taken a job you wish you hadn't taken? How many have ever moved you wish you hadn't moved? How many ever bought a car you wish you hadn't bought? <laughs> yeah, how many ever bought a house you wish you hadn't bought that house? How many ever uh, took your credit card and maxed it out? And wish you hadn't done that with your credit card, okay? How many ever said something you knew you shouldn't have said, but you said it anyway? When you begin to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, you begin to know what the will of God is. And you stop wasting years and moments and dollars and time and relationship living out of the will of God, and you begin to live inside the will of God. How many want to live inside the will of God? I want to meet the right person. I want to buy the right house. I want to buy the right car. I want to go to the right college. I want to have the right job. I want to hire the right people. I want to do the right thing. Is anybody with me today? You can make right decisions when your mind's been renewed and your life begins to be transformed. All right, let's look at a couple more very quickly. Look at John 16, 31. Come on, I want to help you with something here. I want to help you. Is that, well, maybe it was verse 30. <laughs> Let me go back to, I'm sorry, guys. Some things get lost in the translation from South Africa to, South, to North Alabama. Come on, how many understand? It was verse 33. I gave him the wrong verse. Listen to this. You ready? 
Listen, this is what Jesus said. This is the Last Supper. Are you with me? Last Supper, final words before he's arrested, really important. Now listen to this, John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. How many are thankful we can have peace? Okay, I want you to claim, he's talking about how you think right now, right? He's talking about your mind, your attitude, your approach. He said, now listen, I've given you all this teaching. <clears throat> I've given you all this so you can have peace. I want you to say, say, I can have peace. I can have peace. You know why you can have peace? Because it's a gift. He said, I'm going to give you peace. All right? I told you these things so that you can have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Stop acting like a victim because somebody around you did something stupid. Can I say stupid in church? Stop acting like you're the only person who has ever told a lie. Stop acting like God's not good because people are bad. Come on, stay with me here. We have to understand, Jesus said, I want to tell you something. <clears throat> he said, you're going to have peace. I'm going to give you peace. In this world, I'm going to give you peace. He said, there's going to be some trouble that happens sometime. Anybody ever had trouble? Anybody ever had trouble since you're a Christian? Now, I know some of you think if you have faith, you're not supposed to raise your hand there. You haven't read any of the New Testament. Do you think the apostle Paul had faith? He was beaten to nearly to death three different times. He was thrown in the water. He tried to burn him. They tried to kill him. A snake bit his hand. People lied about him. People did all these things. What, you know, I believe he had faith. I believe he had faith. But he faced some trouble. The, the, listen to me. The Christian determining factor is not if I never have trouble. The proof of faith is not that nothing ever goes wrong. It's what I do when something does go wrong. The evidence of faith is that I never have trouble. The evidence of faith is what do I do when I have trouble. The evidence of faith is not I never have a storm. It's do I have peace in the middle of the storm. The proof you have faith is not that everything always goes the way you want it to go because what you want might be less than what God has planned. If I was left to chart my life, I wouldn't tell myself, as Pastor Josh said, to give a car away. You don't write those stories. But because God knows what's best, he's trying to bring us to a place where we can walk in moments we don't understand, but the peace of God rules in our life. Amen? So look at this. I have told you these things so that in me, how do we have peace? In him, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. I'm glad it didn't end there. Aren't you ready for the next sentence? But take heart. I have overcome the world. There'll be some things that happen that don't seem to be fair. People will act ways that aren't right. But I can have the peace of God. I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I don't have to react the way people react that don't know Jesus. Ultimately, we're going to overcome. Come on, somebody say amen to that. We're going to get to that. We sang it today. Where there was a wall, there's now a way in my life. And I'm not going to live my life in depression and fear, anxiety, and stress because I know a way is coming to me right now. All right, let's look at John 14, 27. Then let me make some applications. John 14 and verse 27. Maybe I got this one right. <laughs> 14, 27. Now look at this. Again, Jesus, same setting, upper room, last supper. He says, peace I leave with you. Come on, you got to get this. Look at this. If you're struggling, if you're anxious, if you're fearful, if you're, if you're dealing with depression or rejection, listen to me right now. Look at this promise. Are you ready? 
Peace I leave with you. What kind of peace? My peace. Oh, come on. The peace Jesus had. My peace you have to earn. He said, I just give it to you. Do you hear me today? Jesus wants to give you peace. Can I tell you something? I said that wrong. Jesus has already given you peace. He's already given you peace. We have to receive that. All right, let's, let's look at this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Hallelujah. What does that mean? I'm not going to take it back. I'm not going to make you earn it. I'm not going to make you deserve it. He says, I'm going to give you my peace. I'm going to give you a gift. I'm not going to give like the world gives. Then listen, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. I'm telling you today, you can overcome fear. You can overcome anxiety. Come on, somebody say, I can live my life without those things. I don't have to do that. I don't have to live there. I don't have to be in that place. Let me illustrate this. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I want to give you an illustration today, just for a few minutes. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We've read this passage before, but I want you to see it. How do we deal with Jesus? said, there'll be some trouble, but I'm going to give you my peace. There'll be some things that happen, but I'm going to give you peace anyway. There are going to be some moments that just don't make sense. There are going to be some people that just aren't right. There are going to be some unkind people. There are going to be some ungodly people. How many hear what I'm telling you today? But God, Jesus says, I've overcome what they're going to do. I'm bigger than what they've done to you, but I'm going to give you peace in the process. So look at this, 2 Chronicles 20. See if you can relate to this on a personal level. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and some of the Meunites came to make war, <clears throat> excuse me, on Jehoshaphat. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazon, Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarmed, <laughs> alarmed. I'll come back and read the rest of it. So here he says, here's this moment. The king's doing well. And three armies come to surround him. It's warfare, army, warfare. It's conflict. It's the place where the mind is going to have to deal with some issues. There are three armies coming. There are multiple issues coming at him. The king is surrounded. The king is trapped. The king doesn't know what to do. Do you ever feel like the world has conspired against you? Do you ever feel like you have multiple enemies coming at you? Do you ever feel like everybody's against me? Do you ever feel like I never get a break? Come on, don't raise your hand. Do you ever feel like I'm the only one that ever faced this? Do you ever feel like nobody's ever faced what I faced? Nobody's ever been treated the way I've been treated. And you know, you may have been treated completely unfairly. But God still loves you. God's still for you. And God's still on your side. And God has a way to redeem you out of the things that people have done to you. And God has a way to take your life and make it powerful and beautiful and free no matter what trouble came your way because he's overcome that. And he said, I'm going to give you peace. So here we have a king troubled, a nation surrounded, and, and, and armies are coming. What did, we, what did we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 10? What did we see? We said the battles we fight are not the battles of this world. The weapons we have are not carnal and weak. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We see that. He said that we have to cast down those things and deal with our imagination. The word for imagination, listen, I want to help you. This is where you are today, is assaultive thoughts, damaging thoughts, imagination. Do you ever realize we always imagine the worst? Have you ever thought about that? 
Why in the dark do you imagine it's a monster and not Santa Claus? You ever thought about that? Has a kid ever jumped up in the middle of the night and run to his parents' room? I'm scared of the dark. Why? I think Santa Claus is in there. If you thought Santa Claus was in there, you're staying. Come on, bud. Here I am. But no, it's a monster. It's a monster. Our imagination. You know what I tell couples? Where there's no communication, there's imagination. If you're not talking to your spouse, the devil's filling in the blanks. We always imagine the worst. The Bible says there's an answer here. He says there's imagination. They're thoughts that assault our mind. They're images that poison the way we think. They're concepts that cause us to be fearful and emotional and your behavior becomes compulsive. Are you listening to me? So what happens? The thoughts come first. The thoughts come first. Do you know it's not a sin to be tempted? It's a sin to give in to temptation. Do you realize that there are gonna be thoughts that come at you because of what people do that if you let those thoughts stay there, they're gonna damage your life. First, it's a thought. You know what the next step is? You start entertaining those thoughts. That's what people call talking to themselves. I wouldn't recommend it. People will look at you funny. But you ever done that? These thoughts are there. They come back. They come back. Why did they say that? Why did they do that? Why did that happen to me? Why didn't I get that promotion? Why did my spouse look at me like that? Well, these thoughts, and you start entertaining them. Well, maybe there's a reason they happen. Well, maybe did I say something? Did I do something? Is it always going to be this way? See, first comes the thought, then you begin to entertain the thoughts. You begin to go over these thoughts. You begin to mull the thoughts. Then after a while, listen to me, you give in to those thoughts. You say, well, that's just the way it's going to be. And so what we've done in our culture, instead of giving people help, we just build our what's called support groups around the damage of the thoughts and our peace or false peace as well, I'm trapped, but everybody else is trapped too. Is that freedom? Is that all life can be? Well, I'm with another, you know, I'm, I'm with this group. We're offended by this, so let's get together and talk about our offense. I'm offended by this, so let's get together and talk about our offense. Instead of finding freedom, instead of finding rescue, these thoughts coming. That's why the Bible says, what do you do? You take those captives thought, those thoughts captive. You take those thoughts captive. You begin to say, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to entertain that. Let's want to make a statement. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Today's complacency is tomorrow's captivity. Sometimes you just let them go. We just think the thoughts. You lay in bed at night and they go over and over. How many are with me right now? You go through your mind. They go through your mind. They go through your mind. My child's not home. My child's at school. What are they doing? My family's here. What's happening there? What's going to happen? I saw this. I saw this. And what, what we deal with and we entertain and we allow to stay, they begin to capture us. But we have a God who's bigger than that. Can somebody say amen to that? We have a God who is able. We have a God who is mighty. We have a God who can do something about it. Listen, anxiety is not a sin. It's a signal. Let me say that again. Anxiety is not a sin. It's a signal. There's something going on in your life. This pressure that's building up, this stuff that's building up, this is what you do, you need to pray. I'm gonna go back to 2 Chronicles where we were reading. So what happens when he's surrounded? What happens when warfare starts? What happens when the thoughts come, the warnings come, the words come? What did he do? Look at verse three, 2 Chronicles 20, verse three. Alarmed Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. Instead of sitting down and entertaining these thoughts, he said, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna pray. Are you with me, church? I'm gonna pray. Resolved. Alarm, Jehoshaphat, resolve. Resolve means I'm making a decision that's going against my emotions. I'm doing something right now that would be easier just to give up. 
You mean three armies are coming? You mean we're surrounded? You mean that this is going to happen? Now, here's your choice. You can immediately go into that pattern and that stronghold and say, why does it always happen to me? I know I'm going to lose. I'm never going to get through this. This is going to be the end of me. Why did this happen to me? I don't deserve this. Or you could say, I'm going to pray right now. The enemy is beginning to assault my mind. I resolve. I choose to say, I'm going to pray. Watch what he prays. Look at verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord God, our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel? And give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. They have lived in it. They have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. Do you realize what he began to pray? He recounted God's faithfulness. How many are listening to me right now? The enemy brings the thoughts and says, you're not going to make it. Your family's not going to make it. Your marriage is not going to make it. No one cares for you. No one's for you. You're overwhelmed. You're attacked. You're surrounded. You have to resolve to say, I'm going to look to God. I'm going to look to God. Anybody with me right now? You're going to say, God, I remember your faithfulness. Anybody has God been faithful? Anybody got a testimony? Anybody can tell God's answered a prayer for me? You better start in that moment when the thoughts begin to assault you to realize I'm under attack. If I just sit here, I'm going to lose. But I'm going to stand up. I'm going to recount the faithfulness of God. My emotions may not be in it. My feelings may not be in it. I may be tired and weary. Get up off that bed. Don't wallow around in the bed and say, I'm going to lay here and die. Get yourself out of the bed. Get up out of your lazy boy. Turn on some worship music and begin to say, my God has been faithful to me. Recount the faithfulness of God. And then he says, you know, it's okay. Then he said, God, help us. Look at this, verse 10. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See, they are here, how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as inheritance. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power. Look at this. He, you got to get this. It's not your power, it's God's power. It's not a sin to say, I don't have what it takes. But you have what it takes. You need to stop thinking you're the answer and start knowing who the answer is. So look at this. He says, oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. You know what? You transfer the responsibility to God and get it off yourself. It's okay to say, I don't know what to do. Have you ever done that? Have you come to the place with God where you can say, Lord, I remember the faithfulness of God in my life. I remember all the things that you have done, but God, in this moment, this is bigger than me. God, in this moment, I don't know what to do. God, in this moment, I don't have an answer, but this is what I believe. I believe you have an answer for me. I believe you can do what I can't do. That's, that, that's, that's what happens. I want you to see that, that when we begin to do that, when we begin to make that choice, we begin to make that decision. I, I, I want to go back to what Jesus said. Listen, he's in John 14, 27, he said, my peace I give you. 
My peace I give you. When did he say that? On the night he was betrayed. Do you know he had peace the night his closest friends left him? Did you know he had peace while he knew the cross was coming? Do you know he had peace while he knew he was about to be rejected? Do you know he had peace when he was about to be brutally crucified? And he said, you can have that same kind of peace. I'm going to give that peace to you. I'm going to give you what I have in this moment. I'm going to transfer it over to you. And when the enemy comes and those moments seem uh, impossible, there's no way for me to get through the, the other side of this. You don't have to be strong. I'll be strong. How many are listening to me? You don't have to have the answer. I have the answer. I want you just to remember that I've never let you down and just look to me and say, God, I trust you to take me through this moment. And God begins to shift what happens in that moment. God, I just trust you. God, I look to you. You know, here's what you've got to understand. Peace is not the absence of a problem. It's the presence of God. You can have peace in the face of the problem or you're listening to me right now. Stop waiting for everyone around you to change and just say, God, I seek you in the middle of this thing. I still have three armies around me, but the peace of God's in my life. I still can get through this, God, because you said you're for me, not against me. In other words, what I'm saying, peace, it's not where is peace, it's who is peace. He's peace. I don't have to change anything. I don't have to go somewhere else. I don't have to be under the circumstances. I don't have to say, well, if they were better or he was better, if this changed, if that changed, you'd say, God, I remember who you are. And I'm going to trust you in this moment to get me to the other side. And his peace begins to come. You know, when you get bad news, you can have peace, right? When the doctor gives you a bad report, you can have peace. When you get a pink slip at work, you can still have peace. Maybe you lost that job so God could give you a better job. Maybe you're about to see a miracle happen in your life. Maybe something is going to work. You know, I love that old song. How many have been in church long enough to know that song about peace? The world didn't give it to me. And the Yeah, I thought some of you have been around a while. So you know what? If the world didn't give it to you, then what happens? All right, I'm going to give you one more chance. If the world didn't give it to you, then what? Why? Because it wasn't the world's peace. Jesus said, my peace, my peace. The world can't take what it never had. The world can't rob what it never gave me. The world can't take back what belongs in the hands of Almighty God. So you may throw the kitchen sink at me. You may throw every lie at me. Everybody I trust can walk out on me. Everything I own can go down the drain. But the world didn't give it to me. And the world can't take it away. Jesus said, my peace. Look at verse 14. We're going to conclude here. Look at this with me. Second Chronicles 20. So he's surrounded, but he says, I'm going to pray. He says, God, I remember your faithfulness. And I don't know what to do, but you got me in this. I've never been here before, but I believe you, you've overcome all these things. But what happens when you pray? Instead of taking the pattern and going back through that mindset, you follow? Oh, here's the problem again. I knew it's going to happen. Do you know, it's, it's like, I don't mean to be ugly, but right now it's the flu, not COVID. And you know how many people are lining up to get the flu? I didn't say the flu shot. I said the flu. You know how many people have already confessed it, claimed it, believed for it? If one person got sick, I'm next. Somebody had one degree of fever. The whole family's getting the flu right now. Just get ready, get ready here. Why don't we stand up and say, I believe in the faithfulness of God. I believe that he healed. I remember when he healed us. I remember when he set us free. I remember when he made his way. Don't walk around in front of your children and say, you're next. You're going to get it. 
you know, you took their temperature 38 times. They, they're fine. Leave that poor kid alone. Bless them. Pray over them. Tell them it's good. How many are with me right now? Come on. See, we just set ourselves up. We get in a pattern. Why do we do those things? Because our mind has been set in these places of stronghold. And anything that happens, we put it in that pattern. But I'm telling you next time, take that thought captive. Resolve to pray, God, I believe you're faithful. And the Lord will take responsibility. Now let me show you this real quickly. What happens when you do that? What happens when we allow God? You don't have to be strong, just have to be trusting. How many heard what I just said? You don't have to have the answer. Just say, God, I believe you have the answer. He prayed. He said, I don't know what to do, but I know you do. Look at verse 14. I love this. Then, see the word then? Not before. Something shifts right here. See, see, uh, stress is natural, but God's supernatural. Anxiety is natural, but God's supernatural. So what happens? Then the spirit of the Lord came upon somebody. Oh, now we're going. See what happens, the same problem. In this world, you'll have some trouble. In this world, some things aren't gonna be right, but what am I gonna do? I'm gonna take that thought captive. I'm not gonna lay down and take it. I'm not gonna rehearse the doubt. I'm not gonna speak the curse. I'm not gonna lay in bed and wallow around till it finds me. I see the armies, I hear the attack, but I choose to say, my God has been faithful to me. My God has walked me this far. He's taken us too far to give up now. And I believe he has an answer, even if I don't. Then it's God's turn to do something. Come on, it's God's turn. I don't have to do it. It's his turn. Then the spirit of the Lord came. Oh, when the spirit of the Lord comes, everything changes. Watch this. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, son of Matanah. Aren't you glad we don't introduce ourselves that way? Good Lord. Hi, I'm George Sawyer, the son of George, son of him, son of him. Son of, you know, just give us your name. Let's go. As they said, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. Verse 15. He said, this is the word the Lord said. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Come on, somebody needs to get what the Lord says. What do you know about what the Lord says? I've heard what the world says. What does the Lord say? This is what the Lord says to you. You ready? Do not be afraid or discouraged. Oh, come on. Because of the vast army. Listen, he did not say there's no army. He said, don't let them make you afraid. Don't let the army discourage you. Oh, are you ready for this sentence? For the battle is not yours, it's God's. Oh, come on. So you got to get to that place. <laughs> you can live in that place where when the enemy comes against you like a flood, God raises a standard up against him. Where the armies come around us, but we said, you know, there's a bad army around me. In fact, there are three. But God, you've never let me down. God, you've been faithful. I don't know what to do, but I trust you. The Holy Spirit says, all right, I got this now. You gave me a moment to step in. You gave me a place. And he says, don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid. God's going to fight the battle. Now look at verse 16. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up. He tells them where they're going to be. Verse 17. Then we see this. He tells them this. Verse 17. Are you ready? You will not have to fight this battle two times. Come on, somebody say amen. I don't have to fight this battle. But what do I do? Take your position. Stand firm. And you'll see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid three times. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face him tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. So what happens? The Holy Spirit comes to play. 
What do we do? He said, you're going to have to stand. You're going to have to take your stand. Or listen to me. Somebody's going to get set free here in the next five minutes. He said, you're going to have to get up. You're going to have to stand up. Are you listening to me? You're going to have to stand up. I remember uh, just real quickly, I was, first time I went to India, I underestimated the spiritual warfare that goes on in a nation like that. And preparing to go, I prayed, but I didn't understand how to pray. I, we, we have a lot more prayer. People pray over me now when I go do something like that. And so the week before I left, I, I got pneumonia. I was so sick on a Wednesday night. I was flying out on Thursday. I couldn't even get out of bed and go to church. So the board came and prayed for me in my home. And I left and I looked at Phyllis. I said, Phyllis, if, if I'm not sure God wants me to go, this is crazy to get on an airplane like this. I couldn't stand up. And I said, God, I have to know. Am I supposed to go to India? And I felt like God said, yes, you're supposed to go. So I said, Phyllis, help me up. <laughs> I got up out of bed. I had to hold on to the door face. And I said, put some praise and worship on. I said, put some fast praise and worship on. It wasn't pretty, but I danced. I said, you know, I'm not just going to praise. I'm going to dance. Honestly, my health was kicking my behind at that moment. <laughs> Pardon my French. But I said, it's time to get up. I wasn't going to lay in bed anymore. I said, get me up, get up. And I got up, and I began to dance. I had to stand up. I had to stand up. I couldn't heal myself, but I could stand up. I couldn't make the sickness go away at that moment, but I could remember the faithfulness of God. Now, I have to tell you, I wasn't healed. when I, I danced till I couldn't stand. I lay back down in bed. I got up the next morning, but God told me to go to India. And Phyllis drove me to the airport here, and I was afraid they weren't going to let me on the plane. I was so sick. My fever was so high, I couldn't walk straight. I was walking like this down the hall. I said, dear God, don't let anybody see me. They're going to not let me get on this plane. I sat down and got on the plane. My first connection was in Chicago. About 30 minutes out of Huntsville in the air, the Spirit of God came on the top of my head. And it moved through my body just like that. I felt the heat. I felt it go. When I got off that plane, I said, I'm well. Things are good. All is well. All is well. I didn't heal myself. I didn't feel anything. I felt sick as a dog, sweating like a, well, I won't tell you all my, my Arkansas nearly came out. I was sweating like a mule pulling a plow. But anyway, I, I was sweating. I was hurting. I was sick. I felt rotten. But God said, this is what I'm going to do. You don't have to fight the battle. You just got to get up. You just got to stand up. There's some people in this room right now. You've been depressed so long. The devil's convinced you you can't get up. You're going to have to stand up. There's some people in this room. You got so much stress. You don't think you're ever going to have peace, but you're going to have to stand up. You don't have to fight it. You don't have to beat them. You just got to stand up and say, God, I'm here. I'm here. The Spirit of the Lord says I'm here. I'm not losing. I'm not going home. I'm not going to die. I'm not going to lose my family. I'm going to stand up in my faith today. Let's all stand up. I want our musicians. Come on, let's stand together. Now let me tell you something. Let's stand. I need to tell you something while they're coming. Listen closely. The Holy Spirit came in that moment. The Holy Spirit came in that moment. Come on, how many are listening to me right now? Romans 8, 26 says, sometimes we don't know how we ought to pray. You need to hear what I'm gonna say because you'll probably never hear it anywhere except a place like this. Listen to me. Romans 8, 26 says, sometimes you don't know how to pray, but the Spirit will pray through you with words that you can't utter. And he's gonna pray the perfect will of God. Anybody listen to me right now? 
1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, sometimes I sing in the spirit and sometimes I sing in the understanding. Sometimes I pray in the spirit and sometimes I pray in the understanding. He said, when I pray in the spirit, my mind is unfruitful. Oh, did you understand what I just said? There, when you're praying in the spirit, something is bigger than your mind in that moment. When you start praying in the spirit, you overglowed, you go beyond the stronghold that was in your mind. You connect directly to God and the spirit of God begins to enter the battlefield of your mind and give you thoughts that are higher than your thoughts give you strength that's greater than your strength I'm about to tell you what you need to do is pray in tongues pray in the spirit when you don't know what to do you say well I don't know about that well you need to find out about that uh, it's the same. It's open. I need to pray in the spirit. So on the bottom line, I saved it for the it's, the, it's it's the nuclear weapon the devil doesn't have an answer for. When I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, he doesn't know what I'm saying, but God knows what I'm saying. When I'm praying in the Holy Spirit, I went past the limitations of a mind that's been trapped by hell and healing and strength and grace and anointing and thoughts come in my mind through the spirit of God. So right now, you said, can you do this in the service? Yes, it's in order. If one person speaks to the whole congregation, there should be an interpretation. But if everybody is praising and the direction is to heaven, we're not talking to each other. We're talking to God. We don't need an interpretation. We're worshiping. Are you with me right now? If publicly, when can you pray in tongues? Without an interpretation, when we're talking to God, when we're praising God. If God speaks to us, we need an interpretation. If we're speaking to God, we just need to pray. So I'm going to ask everybody in this room that, that, that's been baptized in the Holy Spirit and you pray in tongues, you pray in the Spirit. Right now we're going to begin to pray in the Spirit. We're going to begin to intercede and the Holy Spirit's going to walk inside this place and where people have been bound and trapped and hurt and wounded. We're inviting something bigger, greater, stronger, higher than us to begin to invade this place. Are you with me? If you've been troubled in your mind, you need to learn to pray in the spirit. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to do it. Come on right now. Come on, join me. Join me, join me. I'm not going to pray over the microphone. I'm going to pray now. Come on, let's go. Let's Come on, intercede for someone right now. Learn to pray. Come on, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Strongholds are falling. Enemies are going. Peace is coming. Come on, church, intercede in the spirit. In the spirit. In the spirit. My mind... <laughs> It's not going to limit me now. I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. My mind is not going to rule me now. I'm praying in the Spirit. Church, worship Him in the Spirit. Intercede in the Spirit. Oh, heaven's near. Heaven's near. Come on, breakthrough is being established right now. Breakthrough's happening right now. Worship, worship. Say, Pastor, I've never prayed in the Spirit. You just say, Jesus, baptize me right now. Baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Just begin to let that river flow. 
The Spirit of God's in you as a believer. Just release it. Come on, church. Intercede, intercede, intercede. You're praying a prayer the devil can't stop. You're praying a prayer the enemy can't limit. You're praying a prayer that heals your mind, that rewrites the pattern, that shifts the atmosphere. God, you said the battle's not ours, it's yours. We've got to stand up. We've got to stand up. We must stand up. We must stand up. We stand up right now. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, the Lord. <laughs> the Lord is in this place. The Lord is in this place. There's a holy atmosphere in this place. We're inviting heaven to come override our troubled, limited minds. We're inviting heaven to come intercede through a moment that's bigger than we are. Thank you, Lord. Church family, this is where this takes us. I want you to continue to learn how to do this. Respond, yield to the Spirit. Allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you. God will use that weapon when nothing else will work. It'll free your mind and break strongholds. God's working beyond the limits of your mind when you pray in the Spirit. And this is what happens. This is what happens. As they began to do that, as the Holy Spirit spoke to them and they responded, this is what happens. Then the Holy Spirit gave them supernatural strategy. How many need a supernatural strategy? Natural hasn't worked. We need supernatural strategy. Are you ready? <laughs> so God says, tomorrow, I want you to, before you send the army out, we're going to put the choir out in front of them. And the Bible says in verse 20, as they began to praise him, the Lord walked in and defeated those enemies and they never had to raise their arms against them. So right now, I believe there's some people in this room that said, Pastor, I have battled depression. I realize anxiety is not a sin. It's just a signal something's bigger than me. I've lost my peace. I've, I'm, I'm troubled. I'm weary. I'm tired. My mind's become a minefield. But pastor, today I'm going to stand. Pastor, I'm standing today. I'm believing today is my freedom day. We're going to begin to praise. I want the first song. We're going to praise. Listen, we got to understand the battle is the Lord's. The victory is the Lord's. We're going to win this thing right now. We're going to see a breakthrough happen for you right now. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.